You're listening to the West Conroe Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on West Conroe, please visit our website at wcbc.us. This is your Bible. Amen. It is God's Word. It is true from cover to cover, from beginning to end. Not one sentence is wrong. If one thing is in error, it is all in error. It is all inspired, God-breathed, God-saved, and totally practical for your life today. Amen? If you have a Bible, pick it up and turn it on. Amen? Or open it up, whatever, if you're old fuddy-duddy like me and you're still stuck in the, in the hard print like, uh, like I am, then that's okay. But it's more important how the Word gets into you, right, than it is how you receive the Word, that, that the Word actually gets into you. It doesn't matter which way it goes. But uh, if you would take your Bible this morning and turn, and out of the reverence of God's Word is our tradition around here at West Conroe, would you stand out of reverence to His Word as we read that together? John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16. Why don't you read that along with me this morning? I'm reading from the King James Version, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word is absolutely true. From beginning to end, we know full well that we can base our life on what it says and be blessed in your eyes. So, Father, I pray for nothing less than your presence with us today. May you be glorified, may you be honored, and may you be lifted up, and may you draw people unto you, is what we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Give three people a high five and tell them Jesus saves, and you may be seated, all right? I said three people. Some of you didn't even do one. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves right now. Well, let me just tell you, this is a participatory service, all right? Uh, You are not the audience, and I am not the audience. He is the audience. So participate this morning, okay? So if I say something you like, don't hesitate to say amen. If I say something you don't like, well, keep it to yourself. You can say, oh, me, or you can pick up a hymnal and throw it at Chris. He's sitting right over here. Just knock him out if you don't like it, if it doesn't make sense, okay? But this is a participatory service. I, full, if I plan on having full expectations that you will participate with me this morning with uh, this sermon as we're going through. So, so I, can I count on that from you? Amen? Amen? If you don't, I'll make it go twice as long, I promise you. So it's up to you. The more excited you get, the quicker I go, Right? Okay, we're ended. <laughs> Jiminy. All right. Listen, I, uh, I, I entitled the sermon this morning. If you have your bulletin, you got a copy of the notes. I entitled the sermon this morning, 1,212 Ways to Simplify. Now, I'm being kind of facetious with that title. As you see the guy standing there looking perplexed, uh, because it's an actual kind of just poking fun at how we humans love to complicate things, don't we? Amen. 
we can take the most simplest of things and make them the most difficult of processes. Can we not? We can. We can take anything that somehow just calls to be the simplest of processes and we can blow them full out of proportion. And I've seen it all throughout my life. We have that ability. Why? I don't know. But we have that ability. I think it's part of our natural born uh, sinful self to be so selfish, right? We are self-centered individuals and we always love to think of self. We're always putting ourselves before someone else. It's a natural part of our sin inclination that we receive from birth. I do not have to teach. I had to teach my children a lot of things, but I did not have to teach my children to be selfish. Somehow it comes just natural, right? They just seem to want to, if you think I'm kidding, put yourself in a room with a bunch of people on a decision about money, and especially if it affects you, and you just hide and watch how selfish we can be. Say amen. You know it's true, right? Don't look at me so spiritual. You know I'm right dead on. We can be very selfish. You know, we can even be very selfish and complicated. We can make things complicated even with our faith. Can we not? I worked for 15 years at Lifeway Christian Stores, another 10 years at another Christian store organization, 25 years into Christian organizations. And I tell you, we can even see things uh, and we even try to roll out some things and some strategies that you thought would be the simplest of things. It wasn't too long ago we were trying to roll out a prayer strategy at Lifeway and roll out so that we could ask God to do some incredible things in some incredible ways. And so we wanted to roll out a prayer strategy in that room. And so there was a lot of voices, a lot of minds. It got heated. It got, just, it got crazy. Everybody wanted to talk about their way, my way, I think what's best. Even in the midst of something that's supposed to be God honoring, we can complicate it. Someone with a lot of wisdom spoke up on the other side of the room and said, you know, folks, it's a shame we have sat here and complicated prayer. <laughs> and it's true. We seem to have the ability to complicate things. Can I even say this maybe? Can I go so far as to say that religion is man's way of complicating Christianity? Could I be so bold this morning as to say that? I'm not going to say this morning that doctrine isn't important. Doctrine is very important. And you'll never hear me say anything otherwise. Doc, because, because of this, doctrine determines how I worship, Right? It is because of my belief in God and how I believe in God, it helps me determine my worship to God. But doctrine cannot replace the very worship for God. Some of us in this room spend a lot of time arguing and defending doctrine, even on social media. We spend a lot more time arguing and defending ourselves than we do praising and talking about the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You thought you weren't going to get preached to this morning, but you're getting it anyway. So Jay's out. We're going to have a smooth sermon this morning. <laughs> but it's something wrong, folks, when we spend more time defending ourselves than talking about the Savior. And so my challenge this morning as I prepared this sermon, as God was speaking to my heart, my challenge this morning was to bring us back to some basics, to really take our, even our faith. You'll, you'll even notice this about how I work around here with your team, and you'll see. 
I, I, I'm a big fan of trying to put the cookies down on the bottom shelf where we can all partake, right? Is that okay? I mean, I would rather do five things great than 15 things halfway. That's just how I work. Focused light has tremendous power. Diffused light has no power at all. So as your executive pastor, I'm making a commitment before you. I really want to try to help focus the ministry of West Conroe Baptist Church, and I'm going to work real hard for that. So y'all pray for Jay, right? Amen. <laughs> pray for Jay. He's got a lot of new staff, a lot of new thoughts, a lot of new ideas. Everybody's saying this, that, and the other, because you know how it gets when a lot of Christians get in the room, right? We all want to say what we want to say, and I'm sitting there, hold the train, back this thing up. Let's focus. Let's put the rubber down on the road, and let's do, let's do something really, really, really great for the kingdom of God. And so that's even how I work. So you'll notice that. And so I'm, I want to kind of bring us back into uh, my theme this morning on how we can simplify and even how I work. And it reminds me of a great story, a great sports, a great sports analogy for all those of you in here who love sports. You love sports? Raise your hands. Sports of all kinds. You remember this is a great story right here. All-time favorite Vince Lombardi, Green Bay Packers. All-time favorite. This is one of my favorites because of the, the truth behind it and the reality of what you represent. All-time. Green Bay Packers, Vince Lombardi. Now, let's just get this out of the way right now, okay? We'll just go ahead and get this out of the way. Take a quick sidestep. We'll just run with this for just one second, and we'll come right back to where we belong. Just because I'm talking about the Green Bay Packers and Vince Lombardi by no means means that I am a Green Bay Packer fan, okay? I just want to get that out of the way. Because I firmly believe in my heart of hearts that God really is a Dallas Cowboy fan. So just let it out. Let it go. Come on. Give it to me. I know. Come on. Get it all out. Throw a hymnal at Chris. Do whatever you got to do. Boo. I know. Just let it out. Although I don't know what God's been doing the last two weeks. Man, he's frustrating me. I don't get it. But anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just convinced that God is a Dallas Cowboy fan. So, so I apologize in advance. That's the most noise I hear out of some of you all day long right there. <laughs> but one of the greatest moments ever in sports, 1961, Vince Lombardi stood before the Green Bay Packers team who just lost a championship the year before to the Philadelphia Eagles. And the team was all fired up thinking, oh, we were so close to winning the whole thing. Man, we were going to go all the way and we were going to be number one. It was great. So what are we going to do this year? So many exciting new things. So many great things. Man, I bet the coach has got a lot, some trick plays maybe he's going to bring and introduce to us. And maybe he's going to come up with a whole new offense or a whole new defense. Can't wait for the season to start. And he stumbled the entire football team. And he took them back and he gave them a step backwards and made them think when he stood before him on day one of practice and he did what? You remember the story? He held up a football. And he said, gentlemen, we're going back to the basics. And he held up a football and he said, what? Gentlemen, this is a football. <laughs> you remember that? Shocked the whole team. But he wanted to get back to the basics of reality and simplify football. And you'll let him go down as one of the greatest coaches and the greatest teams simply by focusing on the fundamentals of football. Well, with the same passion, the same urgency, the same clarity, I'm going to stand before you this morning, and I'm going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this is your Bible. 
Amen? It is God's word. It is true from cover to cover, from beginning to end. Not one sentence is wrong. If one thing is in error, it is all in error. It is all inspired, God-breathed, God-saved, and totally practical for your life today. Amen? Amen. Woo, glory. Got some excitement going on in here. You guys must want to go home early. And I can take this entire Bible from cover to cover, and I can break it down and simplify it to this one verse right here. All of it exists surrounding this verse right here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. At the end of the day, church, that's what it's about. And it doesn't need to be a thing. It needs to be the thing that we're known about, that we talk about, and that we live out every day. Amen? Amen. So before I get off that slide, I got one more thing I just wanted to show you. Here you go, guys. Show me. Yeah, there we go. Celebrate a little bit. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. I get to preach. You didn't. You want to talk about your team? You get up here and preach. Right? All right, let's go. Say, let's go. I got one question for you today, and we're going to leave. What will we do with Jesus? You see, you can deny him if you want to. You can talk about that maybe he doesn't exist or it wasn't real. But if you'll get serious for just a moment, and you'll look at this thing honestly, you will, even if you demand proof, scientific evidence of Jesus and the reality that he lived and walked on this world and what he done, if you will seek, I'm telling you, you will find the answer. So I'm going to challenge you all throughout our sermon today, what will we do with Jesus? Let's get going here. Let's break down this verse if we can real fast. So the first two words, we're going to stop right there. For God, as we look into this verse. Well, it's not just a way to start a verse or start a sentence. It's not just a great way to get things going. These are two words that, if true, have huge implications, right? I mean, if true, if there is a God, it supersedes all other thought processes. Because God factored into any reality or any equation you may be struggling through today, if you enter the God factor, it changes everything. Because you no longer have to rely on yourself. You no longer have to seek for your own answer. You have someone who knows out there. But if there is a God, and if these two words are true, it supersedes all of our thought processes, but it also gives us a couple of questions, doesn't it? If this God thing is real, how do I get to know him? How do I get to know him? How do I get to get to him, period? How do I have access to this God? I struggle with some folks that I've met over my days and over my years, and I've talked to folks. And I've heard more than one people on one occasion say they believe out here in this world that we we all pray to the same God. He's just given different names. 
Oh, my soul. That is so far from the truth, it's not even funny. And it's not true. Folks, by its own definition, by its own sovereignty and position, the very word God dictates that it is supremacy. It is over all, right? So to say there is more than one God almost defeats it before you even get out of the gate because that dilutes the power of one almighty God. There cannot be more than one God. There can only be one God. You can fight it all day long or you can actually get real for just a moment and do your own homework. Do your own search. Like Bill Hayden, lifelong atheist, lived his entire life explaining away why there was no God. And at the age of 85, Bill decided he was going to go out on a search. And he was going to do his own homework. And he was going to discover and search hard to find out if this was actually true. And at the age of 85, Bill Hayden kneeled his knee and gave his life to Christ and said, it's true. I've done my work. Lee Strobel, Case for Christ, if you know him, Lee Strobel was a law journalism, a law with a law degree, practicing journalist who was living the hard life, demanded proof of everything he was doing. And he said, I forget what everybody else has been telling me. His wife got saved. She got all full of Jesus. He didn't want nothing to do with it, and God was working on him. And so he began, God began to work on him and change him. And so because he is a scientific major and he wanted proof for everything, he said, I'm going to go do my own homework, and I'm going I'm to do my own investigation. And so he did. And he came up with un, un, for unmeasured proof that Jesus was who he said he was. And he wrote the book, Case for Christ. And he goes down throughout the entire book and he lists out documented proof all throughout that book where he proven the fact that Jesus was who he said he was. And Jesus was Savior and Lord. And he gave his life to Christ and he's been living for him ever since. You see, I'm telling you, there is a God. And not only that, I'm telling you that we believe here, I believe, and there are many people in this room who believe, not only is there a God, but he is in the flesh, Jesus Christ himself. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Jesus said in John 10, 30, he said, he is the, he is the word. He is the beginning. John 1, 1, he is the word. He was in the beginning and he is the logos in the word. And he said, I am the way. I am the only way to get to heaven is through me. These are Jesus's words, not mine. So I struggle with people who struggle, who think Jesus was just a nice guy or a good prophet or a good man. Because folks, I'm here to tell you this morning, it is proof that Jesus was either a liar or he was a lunatic or he really was Lord Jehovah. One of the three. You can't say he was a good man by his very own lifestyle and who he was and what he did. And so many folks over the years have done their own investigation, have done their own search, and you will too, to find out if you really want to discover if Jesus is real and if there is a God. Jesus himself says, those who seek me will find me. 
So if you want to find out their truth, I'm telling you, you can find out. And you'll come to the same conclusions that many of us have come to in this room and many of us have come to in this world, that he is real. And he can change the worst of souls. Amen? Amen. He could take people like Leah Leverson, the atheist blogger who never trusted God, and he could change your heart. He could take someone like Kanye West, praise God. You didn't know I was going to preach to you Kanye West this morning, did you? He could take Kanye West, church, and get a man who was born to entertainment all about himself. And in his last concert, you know what Kanye West got up and did? He said, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to spread the gospel. You think, well, how does someone like Kanye West, somebody needs to disciple that guy. Listen, you're more worried about that than what Jesus did in his heart. And he could do that for you too, amen? Woo, woo, woo! Somebody get excited this morning. A lot of the world got excited about Kanye West, but I'm telling you, he does that on a daily basis, amen? Amen. He can do it. Do you know him? What will you do with Jesus? Well, we know for God. Two words, huge implication. But what about it? For God so loved the blank. You see the blank in your bulletin? It's there. If you want to write it down, I want you to. So for God so loved what? Help me out. Fill it in. So I want to play this morning. Is it okay if we play for just a moment? I'm not asking you to change scripture, but just work with me for just a second. For God so loved, I want you to put your name in that blank on your bulletin. For God so loved William. For God so loved Chris. For God so loved even Cove, praise God. Right? Arkansas, I'm I'm telling you. Anyway, sorry. For God so loved, now put your name in there. Because folks, if you get any truth today of anything that's said, of anything that's taking place this morning, I want you to walk away with this. That God is intimately, passionately, in love with you. And whenever you talk about the love of God, you deal with the, the two things that you got to deal with whenever you talk about the love of God, the buts and the whys, right? You do. Well, you tell me that God loves me, but you don't know what I've done, right? Well, you're right, I don't. But God does. And can I tell you, it doesn't matter to him God knows you intimately. He knows all your thoughts. He knows your deepest desires. He knows all your wrongs. But he loves you anyway. Unconditional love that requires nothing in return. Nothing. It just is. If you struggle with that, I want you to go home and open up your Bibles and study the life of Paul. I love the life of Paul because it gives me hope. Amen? Because I'm a stinking, rotten, sinning scoundrel. I'm telling you, I am. And But when I read on the story of Paul, it gives me hope. Because, you know, Paul, before Paul, he was who? Saul, right? So you know Saul. What is Saul guilty of? Probably the worst persecutor of Christians that there ever was. It was his job to persecute the early church. 
wasn't it? He would go house to house looking for those who would follow Christ and say they follow Christ. And if they said they did, he many times would put them to death. But then Saul ran into Jesus on the road to Damascus. Amen. And Jesus said, Paul, Saul, stop it. I'm going to give you a new name. Take me as your Lord. I'm going to blind you, but man, I'm going to give you eyes like you've never had before. And you'll see like you've never seen before. And so God made him Paul. And he is probably responsible for 13 books that you hold in your hand right now in that Bible. So I like to say that if Paul, then all. If God can love and use Paul, God can love and use you. Period. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. Let it go. He has. If you'll come before him and confess your life and ask forgiveness of your sins, it is immediately forgotten to be brought up no more. Well, you say, okay, preacher. So, but God knows, but why? Okay, so deal with this one. Help me out. Why the wise of love of God? Why does God allow evil in this world? Why does God let evil flourish in this world? And I did a lot of studying this week, okay? Got into the Hebrew, the text, and all my commentaries, looking around, did some great investigative story. I'm about to give you the answer. Are you ready for the answer? Look to your neighbor and say, I'm ready for the answer. Here it is. Here's the answer of why God allows evil in this world. Are you ready? Here we go. I have no idea. I'm sorry. I, I can't figure it out because I'm not God. I don't know why God does the way he does or how he does the way. God could and maybe can change the way. Maybe God should stop all evil. I will tell you that was his original design. Amen. It is man that chose to allow evil to come into their lives. And it started with Adam and Eve. But you would have been no better if you would have been in that garden because you would have done the same stinking thing. Because you're selfish and you're sinners. And you would have went straight for that apple. So I don't know why God allows evil. Here's the deal. If God is going to give free will and it's going to be real and we're not going to be programmed robots, then people have to have a choice to either follow God or not follow God. You have that choice this morning. You're here. You can choose to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you can walk out of here and say no. You can either go with God or not go with God. You say, well, there's only two ways. Yes, there is. Everything that is not of God is of the devil. Right? So you got that same choice this morning. So I don't know why evil exists. I could tell you one day it won't. Woo! Woo! It's going away. Amen? It one day will be bound. And that's a promise given to us as the church of Jesus Christ. But for now, we live in a world that's invited sin. And so because we have sin, we need a Savior. And Jesus recognized that. So for God so loved the world, what did he do? He wanted to show you how much he loved you. So what did he do? He gave his one and only son, right? 
He literally gave a part of him on self. Now, I've got a couple of boys, right? They're here today. Here's one right up here. Here's one right over here. Look at Alan, stand up, will you? See, I'm going to call you out because you didn't want to sit with the family this morning. That's a good-looking kid right there, isn't it? Woo! Look at that smile. I love this kid. I love this son. I love them both. Sit down now. You're all right. Grandstanding. But let me tell you this. If I had to give that boy's life for you, you might as well go on to hell. It ain't happening, right? I don't love you anywhere close to that. It would not happen. That's because I'm not God. And you better be glad. You know, I've only been here a month, but uh, listen, listen, let me help you out here a little bit. You know, uh, if I was God, I've met some of you, and I'd have done zapped you out of existence already. You know, like when you're a little kid in a magnifying glass, and you got, and you got, you want to kill some ants. How, how many's with you? You ever done that? Just focus in on those ants, and zip, that's what I would do to some of you. You get on my nerves, and zip, you're out of here, Jack. Try me. I got, I don't have a lot of patience or tolerance. So I would zap you out of here, man. But I'm not God. And aren't you glad? Amen? Amen. Woo! Aren't you glad he's not in the zapping business? He loves us unconditionally. No matter how many mistakes we make, he still loves us. He did not leave you. You walked away from him. He still loves you greatly. Hmm. For God so loved the world that he wanted to prove it in such a way that he gave a part of himself and gave his only son on a, Christ, on a cross to pay the ultimate price. Because the only price that would have been good enough was that of perfection of a God dying on a cross to pay the price that was significant enough to pay for our sin. And he did it. And he did it for you and for me. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Follow with me. Where are we going? That whoever what? Believes. Here's where I want to kind of just camp for a second. I'm sorry. I got a cold. The devil was in the sound system last, time, last couple of weeks ago. And now he's in my throat and all up in my sinuses. And I got a drink. So I apologize. But I'm struggling a little bit with this belief thing. Help me out. For 25 years, I had the privilege of interviewing believers, believers in Christ who wanted to come work for a Christian organization. Even when I first started here, when I came to work here, and I interviewed some folks, and because we're a nonprofit, we're allowed to skate around some of these laws out there, and we can ask people about their faith. And aren't you glad? Let's hope that stays. Amen? Amen. So I asked people unequivocally, so tell me a little bit about your faith journey. And when you come to know Christ, and I'm telling you more times than I care to tell you about today, that I often hear this phrase, well, I've just always gone to church. Hmm. As far as I can remember, I've just always been a church member. <laughs> what? 
I get it. I understand. I even did that when I was young. I was a preacher's kid and I said, I remember somebody asking me about my faith clearly one time. Tell me, man, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I said, oh yeah, my dad's a Baptist preacher. Like somehow that sanctified me, right? It's covered in the blood. I guess it's covered in the sanctification of the preacher. I don't know. But somehow that did something for me. Now church, you do know, don't you? Hey, everybody here, you do know, if you don't, I got news for you, coming to church will not make you a Christian. Right? I want you to do something for me. I want you to go home today. And I want you to drive up to the house. And I want you to stop short of the garage, okay? Just drive, stop short of the garage. Go up. Get up there. Open the garage. Go stand in the garage. Close the garage behind you. And I want you to just sit there for a minute, for an hour, for a day or for a week, or even for a year, and see if somehow, some way, because you're parked in a garage, you will turn into a car. <laughs> you may hope for it. Oh, please, I'm going to be a Lincoln. <sighs> now, see, I'd be a Cadillac. You'd be a Volkswagen. I'm just kidding. He's never going to talk to me again. How many? <laughs> you can come to church Sunday after Sunday and park it right on the front row for a week, for a month, for a year, and it will not turn you into a Christian until you come face to face with your sin and recognize that you are a sinner. And you need a savior. And Jesus is the one. And you admit in your mind and with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are not saved. I'm not, I'm not here to get anybody to doubt their salvation experience. If you've had that moment, welcome to the team. You are a part of this Christian movement. Praise God. And you should never doubt that no matter what happens in this life. But if you've never made that decision, you've never given your life to Christ. You can do that today. You don't have to wait. You don't even need to do no more homework. There's an open invitation for us today as we're looking through this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I used to fly Lifeway all around this country. And I would get in planes and I'm not a fan of planes. I just don't understand how this big old body can get up in the air. It just doesn't make a land. And then another whole bunch of big old bodies getting on a plane, right? I won't go there. Anyway, it just doesn't make sense to me. But inevitably, I still buy my ticket and I traveled because it was part of my job and I had to. When did I believe that plane was going to get me from point A to point B? Was it when I bought the ticket and I purchased the ticket of where I needed to go? No. Was it when I showed up at the airport getting ready for my flight? Is that when I believed that plane was going to get me where I needed to go? Nope. 
What about when I got in and I sat down in the chair? Is that when I believed? Nope. When did I believe? When they made that last announcement and they said, this is your last chance to get off this plane. <laughs> I love the way they do that because I think about it every time. And they said, this is your last chance to get off this plane if this is not your flight. We are locking up and we are taking off and this thing's backing up and we're going. And at that moment, I say, yes, I believe this plane's going to get me from point A to point B. Folks, it's the same thing with your Christian life. When do you believe? This stage is here. I believe the stage is going to hold this big old body up or I wouldn't have got on it, Right? But when do I, that, that I actually believe it's going to hold me up? It's when I get up here and stand up on it. Amen? And I put my whole support on it and I give it everything I got. That's when I believe. And your Christian life is the same way. When do you believe in Christ? It's when you come to the point of your life where you surrender and you say, it's no longer my life, it's your life. It's no longer me, but it's you. Be my Lord, be my Savior, forgive me of my sins, I give you everything I am. This is now your life. And you make him Lord. That's when you believe. See, a lot of people miss heaven by 18 inches, church. A lot of people miss heaven by 18 inches. They can't get it from here to here. Right? Let me tell you something this morning. Do you know the devil himself knows there is a God? The devil himself knows that Jesus is real. He has no choice. He trembles at his presence. He has to know. But he never got it to hear. And he never had a point and a time in his life where he said, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. And so a lot of people miss heaven by 18 inches. It's a decision you got to make. And I'm afraid many times people don't make that decision. Many times in order to get people saved, you got to get them lost. They don't think they're lost because they've gone to church their whole life. I'm not lost. I'll be so bold to tell you this morning that if you've never had that time in your life, where you've come face to face with Jesus and recognize who you are and who he is and what you need. You've never been saved. But you can do that today. There are some resources that are available to you on the next slide that I want to share with you. If you want to get serious and you want to start looking, there are some great things that help, help you out there on your look and on your journey. The Got Questions app, if you have an iPhone, Android, I believe the app is fantastic. Download that app and ask it any question you want to. It's an incredible resource for you. Chris Stanley has done a great job on our website, wcbc.us. You go to the ministries tab right down there, right now media is some great information. You can do some more homework. If you demand the proof and the research and you want to be one of those people to live it out and you want facts, you'll get all you want if you want them. Or you can make a decision by faith today. Because you can continue to do your homework or you can make a decision today, this very moment. 
I challenged you early on. The question today is simply, what will we do with Jesus? And I said, we. Well, if you need more proof and more evidence, I want to encourage you to look no farther than the guy standing right in front of you. If there was ever a human being that was so far out, so far away from God, it was me. At the early age, I've done so many things in my life, so many problems, and I, I, I would t- I'd, I'd tell you, but you'd probably fire me right now and I wouldn't be able to work here any longer. But if you need more proof or evidence, come talk to me and let me tell you what he's done for me. Because he took this old boy and shook him up. At the age of 15 years old, Revival Faith Baptist Church, Quinlan, Texas, where he reached down And love came for me, amen? He looked me in the eyeballs and he shook me to death. And he spoke to my heart. And I remember sitting there at that church pew, gripping it like nobody's business, refusing to listen to what he was doing in my heart. And finally, I relented. That old preacher was up there preaching on the subject of hell. Jim Walsh, I'll never forget him, had a vein popping out of his forehead. You remember those old old school preachers, don't you? Love those guys. Preaching on the subject of hell. I like to tell everybody he scared the hell out of me. Because he got it right out of me. I didn't want nothing to do with hell. And I ran down that aisle and I told the preacher, I need Jesus. And then I learned to fall in love with him when I got there. He's been so good to me. I can't even begin to tell you. And he can do that for you today, too. You don't have to search. You can. But you have an opportunity right now to respond to what God's doing in your heart. Love came for you. You, my friend. the West Conroe Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. West Conroe Baptist Church is located at 1855 Longmire Road in Conroe, Texas. You can join us live every Sunday at either 8 or 11 a.m. in our main worship center or on our YouTube live stream. For information, sermons, events, and more, please visit our website at wcbc.us.